Lord Jesus. God, we give honor, praise, glory to you. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace, for loving us and keeping us. Praise God. If you could stand just for a couple more moments, we're going to read one verse of Scripture. I do want to thank the church for praying for me. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks that uh, I was suffering from pneumonia, and uh, so glad to be back in the house of the Lord uh, this morning, feeling his presence, feeling good. Amen? Feeling great. I do want to mention that uh, uh, we've been having a number of meetings it looks like it's 99.8% that we are having our camp this summer, uh, and so we don't see any hindrances to that. So, so our youth camps and, and uh, Sunday school camps will be happening this year uh, in Ashford. We'll be giving you more information about that. Uh, just had a meeting the other day with the state, and, and uh, so we are really thankful that they are going to allow our resident camps this year. Again, we'll give you more information coming up. Genesis chapter 30, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. So good to see everyone. Good to see our guests that are here. Uh, young people, don't worry. I'm not going to preach very long this morning. I know you want to have Sunday school instead of hear from me, uh, but uh, that, will, that will happen. Hopefully next week you'll have Sunday school again. But we're just trying to, out of the abundance of caution, uh, do the very best by the people of God. And uh, so we are, just so you know, we're, we're sanitizing the building on a regular basis and, and whatnot. So we want to be very careful uh, to make sure everyone is safe and healthy. There's a number of people that are not feeling well, so let's be pray in prayer for them. Praise God. Uh, in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 13, it says, And Leah said, Happy am I. For the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. Asher, that's the name of the son that she gave birth to. I'll explain that more in just a few moments. But I want to preach from this title, From Happy to Insignificant. From Happy to Insignificant. I know you're going to have a hard time spelling that, Sister Ellen, but <laughs> just kidding. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so very much. For your sweet spirit, thank you for ministering to us, for your spirit that's been here throughout the worship service. For those that are listening online, I ask you also bless them. Thank you for what you're about to talk to us uh, regarding and the lesson that we're going to learn this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. So in Genesis 30, uh, where it says, Leah said, happy am I, there let me kind of give you a little bit of background. Asher means happiness. The son that she gave birth to at that point of her life, she named him Asher. His name means uh, happiness. It also means to be straight or level, to be right. Uh, it means to be honest, uh, to prosper. Uh, and it means also to guide, to lead, or to relieve, which is interesting. But Asher's name, again, it means happiness. It means to lead or to move forward. Asher is the surrogate son of Leah, wife of Jacob. And Asher is also one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so with that little bit of foundation, we read the story that surrounds around Jacob's wives, Rachel and Leah, 
And just to remind you that Rachel and Leah were sisters. It's, we, we tend to forget that very important aspect, but they were sisters. And uh, Rachel and Leah had uh, desires in a certain way to compete with each other. You can look back at, at the story of them as sisters, and, and you could even, and I hadn't planned on mentioning this, but uh, when, Jacob, uh, when Jacob fell in love with Rachel, uh, her father deceived him. He worked seven years so that he could marry Rachel, and then when it came time to marry Rachel, he was given Leah instead, and then he had to work another seven years for Rachel. But there, so there were sisters. There was this competition that was going on between the two of them. Uh, it's sad, but when we read their story, and if you get a chance sometime in and around before and after Genesis chapter 30, uh, you can read the story of Rachel and Leah, and you can understand what's going on in their lives. But it's, it's very sad, but there was... Uh, it, it seemed like the only time that they were happy, the only time that things were going well in their lives was when they were having children. But more than that, it, there seemed to be a very deep animosity between these two ladies. Leah had her handmaid sleep with Jacob so she could have another child. It was kind of like a surrogate parent relationship situation. The son's name that was birthed from that relationship was Asher. And he had, he had four sons and one daughter. Now, I want to point out a few facts. Upon leaving Egypt, the tribe of Asher named, again, remember the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Asher numbered some 41,500, you know, in people. They were ranked ninth. At the, and then at the second census that, take, uh, that took place, the number had increased, or they had grown to 53,400 men of war. That didn't even include the ladies and the children. And so Asher, at that point, was fifth in population. But as we study the Word of God, and as we look later in the Word of God, we find that during the reign of David, king of Israel, the tribe of Asher had become so insignificant that they were not even recognized amongst the chief rulers of the children of Israel. With the exception of Simeon, Asher is the only tribe west of Jordan that furnished no judge and no hero in the nation. Asher is an example of what can happen if we neglect our salvation. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But history tells us how the tribe of Asher settled in a certain area of the promised land. And there wasn't in that, that area they produced the best olive oil and the produce and the vegetables that were uh, uh, part of the daily uh, consumption of Israel were produced by them as well. They say history that is taught or history that is not taught, is history that is forgot. Although historical events like 9-11 and the Holocaust will never be forgotten, the impact of those events fade over time. I want you to hear me for just a moment. Years after the Holocaust, people begin to start saying that it never happened. 
But it did happen. Six million Jews, five million Soviets, over two million others, 250,000 people with disabilities and more were killed in the Holocaust. Now, there is something that is called retrieval failure. I want to talk about that for a moment. Have you ever felt like a piece of information had just vanished from your memory? Or maybe that you, you kind of know it's there, but you just seemingly can't find it. The inability to retrieve a memory is one of the most com common causes of forgetting. Now, I know that seems, seems elementary, but stick with me. So why is it that we are often uh, times unable to receive information from our memory? One possible explanation is this. They call it decay theory. One, uh, th th that, that theory says this, that according to that theory, a memory trace is created every time a new memory is formed. Decay theory suggests that over time, these memory traces begin to fade and begin to disappear. If information is not retrieved and rehearsed, it eventually will be lost. Are you still with me? Another theory is the theory called interference theory. Uh, what that simply says is this, that some memories compete with and interfere with other memories. When information that is very similar to the other information happens, what happens at times is the previously stored memory is interfered with and it begins to go away. Then there is another theory. It is called the failure to store. Sometimes losing information is, has less to do with forgetting and more to do with the fact that it didn't make a long-term memory in your mind in the first place. And they call it encoding failures. Sometimes that, that information uh, just simply is not available. It didn't make enough of an impact in your life to create a long-term memory. And then there is motivated forgetting. Sometimes we actively work to forget memories especially those that traumatize or somehow disturbing events that come into our lives. There is that motivated forgetting. It is a tragedy, but yet sometimes we will try to work at pushing it out of our memory. Now, as I see it, the tribe of Asher became insignificant because it just simply faded away. Asher stopped being relevant. It stopped standing out and standing up. The, we look at the decline of the major denominations in our world today, and it is amazing what we can see. Many churches, many religious organizations have become irrelevant. The Catholic Church, not to offend anyone, is selling and restructuring most of its existing churches and congregations. Some people estimate that they are down to about one-third, listen to me, they're down to about one-third of the churches that remained from just 10 years ago. Did you hear that? 
That is a shocking statistic. Now going back to the 12 tribes of Israel, Asher was, was prominent at one point. The tribe of Asher was prominent, but after about 400 years, it became insignificant. There was no heroes that came out of Asher. There were no significant leaders that came out of Asher. But why is Asher, or why did Asher become so insignificant? I want to remind the church that every time the children of Israel, every time they tried to blend into their society, every time they tried to be like the other nations that were around them, they fell into sin and they fell into idolatry. Check your Bible and you will see that every time they begin to compromise, every time they begin to stay up, step back away from the principles and the precepts of the Word of God, that's when they begin to be insignificant. The impact that they were supposed to have upon their world would simply go away. And many times God would sell them into slavery because they forgot who their God was. They forgot who they represent. They forgot what they were so supposed to be. They forgot the fact that they were supposed to be a light in darkness. And they just blended in and shrank back into history. I know it's a little bit of a heavy message, but I believe this. When the church begins to lose its identity, when God's people begin to shrink back from its identity, when you and I as individuals in the church forget whom we serve and forget that our walk with God is more important than anything else, I'm going to say it. Your walk with God is more important than your job. Your walk with God is more important than your marriage. Your walk with God is more important than your family and your friends and your bank account. If you will put God first, everything else will take care of itself. But what happens is we allow God to fade in the history of our minds and we step back and fade into the fabric of society. But God's church was never supposed to fade into society. It was never intended to fade into society. And if we're not careful, the church of the living God today will become insignificant. But I don't want the church to become insignificant. The church is powerful. The church is mighty. The church, through, through obviously, the Lord does the work. Uh, but God is the healer. He's the Savior. And he can do anything. Going back to Asher for just a moment, his name means happiness. It means to lead. It means to move forward. But why did it stop being a leader? Why did it stop moving forward? I want you to look at Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Asher disappeared because it assimilated into other peoples and other nations. It simply stopped being relevant. 
at one time when it was the fifth most populated uh, tribe of Israel. But then years later, it was so insignificant that it wasn't even mentioned in the Word of God. This is a heartfelt cry that the church needs to keep our apostolic distinctives. Would somebody say amen? What keeps the church, the true church, from assimilating into the world around us is what we preach and how we live. I'll say it again. What keeps us from just shrinking into irrelevance is what we preach and how we live. Start taking those away, and then we may as well as do spaghetti dinners and bingo night. But that's not the way God's church should be. I do believe in fellowship. I do believe we need to get together and rub shoulders and enjoy time with each other. In fact, the Word of God tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So assembly and getting together is vital to our successful walk with God. But what I'm trying to relate to you is this, that if we stop preaching holiness, which will not happen, and if we stop preaching apostolic doctrine, then there's no power behind what we are supposed to do. We are apostolics. Let me define that. We are one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believers in the liberating name. I forgot the liberating power of Jesus' name. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. But it is that teaching and preaching of holiness and apostolic doctrine, how shameful it was and how wrong it was for the tribe of Asher to simply just start vanishing away. I don't ever want that to happen to God's church. So all is not lost. We look at the Word of God about 1,200 years after Israel enters the promised land, the tribe of Asher mostly forgotten, but there was one woman that the Bible talks about. Her name is Anna. I want to show you something in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 38. This is when Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. His parents were dedicating baby Jesus to the Lord. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher, say Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. Verse 37, and he died. After they had been married seven years, he died. Verse 37, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. She was a widow for 84 years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. 
So just to explain what happened here is she had been waiting for the Messiah. She had been praying for the Messiah. She had been in the temple day and night praying and fasting. And God spoke to her and said, you are not going to die until you see the Messiah. And the moment Mary and Joseph walked in with baby Jesus, she realized that the promise of God had been fulfilled, and she was looking into the eyes, into the small face of that little baby boy that was going to be the Savior of the entire world. And it was then that she realized that her calling and election was sure. Everything she had wanted to do up to her life came to that very important point. And although Asher basically was insignificant at that point, there was one lady that believed the promises of God. There was one individual that said, I am not going to die until I see the Savior. Could somebody clap your hands and give praise to the Lord? I say all that to say this, God will always have a church. He will always have a church. But my question to you is, will you always be in that church? De denominations may come and go, but God's church will stand strong. We, the church, today must, we must decide if we will remain and when I say the church, I'm not just talking about the church here on Farmington Avenue. I'm talking about the church in general. Will the church just kind of fade into society and say, you know what, it really doesn't matter what we look like. It really doesn't matter what we teach and how, how we go about things. Will we just kind of fade into the fabric of society and vanish? God forbid. God forbid. I, we stand for apostolic distincts, distinctives. Not only of dress, but also of lifestyle. I say to this to the church and, and to those that are listening online and anybody that may listen to it later on, that men ought to be men and women ought to be women. We may be in the world, but we are not of the world. We believe in, uh, in modest clothing, amen. We believe in the separation of sexes. Come on, somebody say amen. We do not believe in worldly apparel and worldly jewelry and makeup and hairstyles and things like that. We, we are the church, and we are supposed to stand out, uh, and we're supposed to stand up. We will always baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins because that's what the Bible says. We will always believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues because that's what the Bible says. We will always believe in a holy lifestyle because God says without holiness you will not see the Lord. Would somebody say yes? Amen. The church cannot vanish from society. The only hope this world has is the church and the God that we serve. 
Asher never produced a hero. It never produced a judge. It simply existed. And if you were to look in the Old Testament and study about Asher, they moved into a prominent area of the promised land, uh, but they never forced out the Canaanites. Uh, They chose to live with the people that God said, you need to get them out of your country. I, I realize we live in a different world today. But when God told the children of Israel to go into the promised land, he said, I do not want you to cohabitate with the nations of those heathen people. He said, thrust them out of your land. And the best way I can read it and try to comprehend it and understand is that Asher didn't even try. They just moved in and moved amongst the people that they were not supposed to be a part with. And they started intermarrying, and and, and Israel women would marry heathen men, and heathen women would marry uh, Israelite women. It it just went downhill from that. And what bothers me today, I'm going to go out and say it. I look even at some apostolic churches today, and things that we ought to preach against, and lifestyles that we ought to preach against are happening in their churches. God forbid. What bothers me is is that lifestyles that the Word of God calls an abomination are being ignored in some churches. I've been in services. God help me, I'm trying to be good. But I have been in services where you could tell the preacher that was preaching from the pulpit was not living a lifestyle according to the Word of God. And some churches, well, Brother Brown, this really scares me, is that some churches will allow people to lead in worship and play instruments, although their lifestyle is contrary to the Word of God, and it's acceptable because they're talented. God help us. We need the anointing over talent all day long. We need obedience to the Word of God, not rejection of it. I know I may not be very popular this morning, but I absolutely believe that the people that preach in the pulpit and that sing and lead and worship ought to reflect what the Word of God says we ought to reflect. You can call me old-fashioned if you want, but I don't want God's church to fade away. I don't want God's church to become insignificant. God forbid. God forbid. You know, there's so much going on in our world today. And, and a, lot of, a lot of what's happening, unfortunately, is under the guise of, well, we've, gotta, we've got to be able to relate to the world. 
We've got to some, and, and, and I understand, listen, I, you know me. I believe in outreach. I believe in reaching our society. I believe in reaching every nationality. It doesn't matter to me if you're white, black, brown, yellow. It doesn't matter me, your, to me your nationality or where you were born or to whom you were born to. It do, that doesn't matter me to me, not even one iota, not even one bit. There is not a... a, 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 a you know, and if I can, I guess I'll say it like this. Uh, amen. I just do not believe at all in discrimination. I think it's wrong. I think it's evil. So I don't believe at all in discrimination. But what I do believe is that every single person, no matter your color, your race, your nationality, can serve God. In 2 Peter 1 and 10, it says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. When's the last time you revisited your walk with God? When's the last time you revisited what you are doing today based on what you, what you started doing when you first got into the church and giving your life to the Lord? If you have backed up from, from what you know is right, what you know is the Word of God, then you are in danger of assimilating into the fabric of society and walking out of the church uh, without a relationship with the Lord uh, simply because you stop believing what you ought to believe. The world is not the answer to the church. The Word of God is. It says, make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. There's some things we, you know what, our foundation needs to be, needs to be firm and sure in this hour. We've got to have a firm foundation. We've got to dig deep, uh, and we've got to anchor it in a way that it will not be moved when the winds come uh, and the rain comes and the storm comes, uh, that we will not be moved. Our house will not be shaken. Our walk with God will not be shaken. We're living in a day the Word of God tells us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be moved out of the Word of God. I'm not going to be moved out of the truth. Nothing will take me out of the church. I know what it's like to not be saved. I know what it's like to not have anything to do with God. And I'll tell you one thing, it is not worth it. It is not worth it. The, the things that this world offers uh, are in no, in no way you can't even closely compare them to what God can give you and what God can do in your life uh, and how God can change you and remake you. Uh, drugs can't do it. Alcohol can't do it. Illicit sex can't do it. The things that the world offers, uh, you can have all the money in the world. I know people that are incredibly wealthy that are also incredibly miserable. You see, the, 
One of the problems, if I can say it like this with Christianity, when I say Christianity, uh, today I'm talking about Christianity in general, not just the local assembly. But there's a problem in Christianity today, and that is this. What was bad and evil yesterday is not today. In many cases. You know what? One of our problems, Brother Brown and all the ministers that are here, one of our problems is that if we think we just don't preach it, it will be okay. But if it's in the Word of God, it's got to be preached. You see, what, what is happening is people don't want to step on anybody's toes today. They don't want to offend anyone. Well, you know what? If you've ever read the Word of God, it has offended you. If the Word of God hasn't offended you, then you haven't read it yet. Hello? <laughs> There's some things you look at the Word of God and you say, I can't believe that's in there. There's times the Word of God will not only step on your toes, it will kick you in the head. And so what happens in society in many churches is they just say, if we ignore it, it will be okay. No. No, it's not going to be okay. Because God called us as preachers, not, and I'm not talking about just the preachers that step behind the pulpit. God called us as Christians to be lights in darkness. He tells us in his word is you don't take a light and put it underneath the bed or put it underneath a bushel. You put it out on a candlestick where it can be seen. This world needs a church uh, that is going to stand out. This, this world needs a church that is going to stand up. Uh, this world needs a church that is going to show itself strong and righteous and godly. No, not as judges and jury, as people who love the world uh, and love to reach the world with the truth of the gospel. And we can love anybody. It might get a little iffy here for just a minute. We can love the world without loving the things of the world. There are people in our world that don't live lifestyles that line up with the Word of God. We still need to love them. And we still are required by the Word of God to try to reach them. We're not the ones that stand up as judge and jury in, the, in these cases. We preach the Word of God. We preach the truth. We live the truth. And the decision is up to them. But we don't ignore the truth because it might upset somebody. And so the problem with Christianity, one of the problems is this. In many cases, what was bad and evil yesterday is not today. Alternative lifestyles are more accepted today than ever before. And I want you to mark my words, God hates sin. There is a movement, I hadn't planned on saying this, but there is a movement in our society. In fact, there are some laws that are coming into, uh, coming into the possibility of being put into, uh, into law now, some, some bills that are being presented. One of those bills simply says this, 
it, it taught, well, first of all, it talks about, you know, a lot about discrimination, about, uh, you know, homosexual and lesbian lifestyles and alternate lifestyles and things like that. And basically what it boils down to this, if it passes, what could happen is that the church, could, leaders of the church, myself, Brother Brown, others, could be jailed because there are people of alternative lifestyles that we will not allow to be the leadership in the church because of their lifestyle. And so these laws are coming into play to the point where they can take away the, uh, the tax-exempt status of churches. And if it goes the way that is intended, they can actually padlock the doors of the church and close the church down because it preaches against homosexuality. It's getting quiet in here. Well, if the Word of God says that homosexuality is wrong, this church is going to keep preaching it. And if we have to have church in somebody's backyard or basement, then so be it. But we're going to keep preaching the Word of God. I told you I was going to step on some toes. Let me step a little harder. Effeminate men and manly women just don't work for me. <laughs> Somebody smile at me at least. Amen. Let me just say it like this. If you are born a man, you're a man. If you're born a woman, you're a woman. Now, when I say that, I'm going to be very, I want to admit, my wife is a tomboy. All right? I mean, she's a lady. She is a lady's lady. She's modest, but she's also a tomboy. Yesterday I was picking up some firewood over, over, that my son had cut down, and she's there helping me lug firewood and throw it in the back of the truck. I mean, she's not, I, I don't want to upset anybody. She's not one of those prissy women. Now, if you are, that's fine. I have no problem with that because ladies ought to be ladies. Some men might want to say amen to that. So she's a tomboy in many ways. And she helped me do some construction at the house recently, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for the fact that she is a lady in every aspect. And so, this is something that bothers me. But when men walk around trying to swish their hips and walk like ladies, there's just something wrong with that. I think I, I need to move on. So, if you were born a woman, you're a woman. If you were born a man, you're a man. Is it any simpler than that? Christians ought not to look like the world, but we ought to look like Christians, act like Christians, and live like Christians. Sinning on purpose, knowing it's wrong, is called presumptuous sin. 
Some people think that because God hasn't done anything about your sin, your fornication, your idolatry, that he is ignoring it, but he is not. In Hebrews 9 and 27, it says, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, every human being will step before the judgment seat of God one day. And just because he's not doing anything about it right now doesn't mean that you got away scot-free. I assure you there are some people who thought they would make it, that when that day comes, they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in. Let God be true and every man a liar. In Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through, through 6. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. And as, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in the sayings that thou mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness command the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. Verse 6 goes on and says, God forbid, for, for then how shall God judge the world? If my preaching makes people uncomfortable, then so be it. I'd rather show you the truth. So you can decide if you're going to obey it rather than hide the truth so that you might be lost. Preachers need to get some backbone today. When a church becomes more like coffee shops and pasta socials, then it's a problem. We are called out. The Bible says we are the called out ones, that we are saved. We are sanctified by the Holy Ghost. If our musician would come, please. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Would you stand with me this morning? When I begin to study and think about Asher, the tribe of Asher, and how it seemingly just vanished away, the name Asher means happy. And so it went, the tribe of Asher went from happy to insignificant. It just simply vanished. It's really sad when you study and you look at the life of Leah and Rachel. The name, you know, when you talk about Leah, the mother of Asher. Jacob had worked for seven years for Rachel, her sister, her younger sister. And when the wedding night came, her father gave Jacob Leah. The name Leah means kind eyes. In simple terms, terms it means this, she was ugly. That's what it means. She had kind eyes. That's all it could say about her is she had kind eyes. 
But Jacob was so in love with Rachel that that seven years he worked for her went like that. And then he ended up getting married to Leah. Struck another deal with their father and worked another seven years for Rachel. And it just seemed like it went like that. What an amazing love he had for Rachel. The problem is Leah knew that she was unloved. And because she felt unloved, the only way she could really feel loved was by having children. Rachel at the very beginning was was barren, so Leah started having kids. And of course, in that day, you just had to have kids. And so Leah started having children, and then, then when she stopped having children, she gave her handmaid to Jacob. And from Jacob and Leah's handmaid comes Asher. Happy. So Leah called herself happy because she had a surrogate son by the name of Asher. But that's where the happiness ended. Years later, happiness was now insignificant. And Asher just faded into the fabric of society. I'm grateful for a church that believes in the truth. And I am grateful for a church that has no problem when we preach the truth. In fact, you encourage it. You want us to preach the truth. And you'd be upset with us if we didn't. I'm grateful for a church that loves the Word of God and loves the truth no matter what. I hope and pray our, always, our church always re remembers the fact that the truth trumps everything else. When you love God more than anything else, you'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better young person, a better older person. You'll be a better employee. You'll be, you'll be a better business owner. When you put God first, then everything else will take care of itself. As our musicians and praise singers begin to sing, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Brown if he doesn't mind. And I'm not sure what the Lord wants to do as far as an altar call is concerned or if we're just going to pray together. But I want our church to remember how important it is that we never become insignificant. That we always remember God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. God bless you this morning. Why don't we make this our prayer? If you want to find a place to pray, you can make an altar right where you're at. If you want to come down to the altar area, you can. But let's just make a commitment that we're not going to fade into insignificance, but we're going to continue to stand out today. Thank you, Jesus.
keep me true to you, Lord, in my relationship with you. Keep me true to your word, Lord. Keep me true to the truth. Help me, Lord, run the race that I need to run, Lord.
challenging message, amen, but we, we need to make sure we buy the truth and sell it not, amen. We need to treat truth as the most valuable thing that we have. We need to hold fast to the truth and not let it go because it's the truth that makes us free. When we know the truth, it makes us free, and the only way to stay free is to stay in the truth. And the Bible says that the Father seeketh those to worship Him that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. You're not even getting into acceptable worship to God until you worship in spirit and truth. Amen. And when we begin to turn away from truth, the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when I turn away from truth, I'm turning away from the one who is the truth. And so as we leave today, as we get ready to go and go on our separate ways during the day, let's make sure that we're making a commitment that the truth is going to be bought and not sold. Amen? Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord one more time. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for reminding us to not let go of the truth, Lord. To not become insignificant because we mix the truth with a lie. We mix the truth with the world. We tried to blend in. We're not going to blend in, Lord. We're going to stand out. A city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. We're not going to be salt that's lost its savor, that's good for nothing, but we're going to go ahead and have the salt of the truth, Lord, and we're going to preach it, and we're going to teach it, and we're going to live it, and we're going to see people set free because of the truth, and there are going to be people that come to our church because they're simply looking for truth. And Lord, we believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget the Spanish service tonight is live stream only um, at 6 p.m. Spanish service live stream only. And there is a ladies fellowship that will be here at the church at 6 p.m. Amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.